1: Welcome to the When to Jump podcast. This week, we go into the world of spinning tracks, turning tables, jamming to tunes through an interview with Marjorie Gubelman, who goes by DJ Mad Marge. She's a 49-year-old single mom in New York, spinning tracks, and has a crazy jump story of how she got there. So without any further ado, I'm going to take you right now to my conversation uh, with Mad March coming to you out of New York City on a cold winter Wednesday. Marjorie Goobelman, welcome to the When to Jump podcast.
0: Well, thank you for having me.
1: These are one of those funny stories where I can't even remember how we how we got connected to you and tracked down your story, but I'm happy you're here.
0: Well, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. I think it was through Mariam Bannikarim.
1: That would be right. Miriam has been uh, a longtime listener and friend of the When to Jump show. She sends us ideas and leads left and right, and, uh, and you were another pleasant lead we could track down. So thank you for joining.
0: Well, I'm very happy that it all worked out and that she connected the dots.
1: Absolutely. So you're coming to us from New York City, a snowy, wintry Wednesday in New York City as we do this interview. What do uh, what you got on tap today?
0: What do I have on tap today? Well, it's, you know, my life is either sort of mindless mom, older lady things like doing yoga and going to the grocery store and getting my son to a tutor or, you know, or, you know, I have my other hat, which is I'm a DJ and I'm doing things like that. Today, it's more of the mom, Marjorie, 49 year old running around doing, you know, errands like most people
1: so that all sounds normal to most of us, except that I don't think many, many folks that I know that, that fit part of that description are also a DJ.
0: No, I definitely don't think they are.
1: <laughs> Where did that come from?
0: Well, it is a long story. It Historically, it has some importance because it began in my, in my teens. My freshman year of college, I was um, a DJ on college radio in 1987 And I went to a school that had a lot of deadheads. And I was not a grateful deadhead, as they would call themselves deadhead. I was into sort of new wave music and Madonna and New York City and people that were black and smoking cigarettes and driving fast. And I was at this school where people were into sort of a different mode. And I thought, God, i got to get on that radio station. I can play my music. And it was something calling me about that radio station. So... I went down and they said, well, you have to pass your broadcasting test. And I thought, oh, God, I'm not a very good student. But I actually did pass it, shockingly. It was probably the only thing I've studied for properly in my entire life. And they gave me a show every week. And they said, you better think of a name. And so I came up with the name Mad Marge. And I had my show every week for three hours on Thursdays. And I got to play my music and sort of talk to myself in a basement into a microphone and crack up jokes and play The Cure or whatever music I liked at the moment. And funnily enough, the people liked my show. And I, it was a great foray into sort of a um, next chapter, which happened many years later. But that was my first start of being a DJ. And obviously it was very different times, but it was my love of music that drove me to get into it on that radio station as sort of an outlet, maybe to connect with the things that I really liked, which were, were my tunes at the time. Then I sort of did lots of different things. I ended up living in England. I moved back to New York in 1995. I had other jobs. I worked in licensing. I worked for Amphar. I had a candle business. I got married. I have a son who's now 14. I got divorced. I did all these things. I got older. And in 2012, a very good friend of mine, whose name is Mickey Boardman, He runs a very cool downtown magazine that's been around since the 80s. It's called Paper Magazine. Um, They were sort of known as the magazine that broke the Internet. They had a picture last, a couple of years ago, of Kim Kardashian with a, a glass of champagne on her butt, sort of spewing like a fountain. Anyway, they're very cool and underground, but not so underground. He's an old friend, and I was having a Sunday lunch at my apartment. And we we're talking about all these young girl DJs that are you know, around in New York, everywhere around the world. And I don't know what made me say this. And I said, well, you know, funnily enough, Mickey, I was a DJ in college in 1987. And he looked at me and he goes, no, 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 no. You were not. And I said, no, I was, but on the radio, you know. He goes, well, you're gonna DJ my birthday party. And I said, absolutely not. I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, it's been 25 years or however long it have been. And he was like, absolutely you are. I'll have a man there to help you. And and I said, OK, well, then I'll do 15 minutes sort of in a not very friendly way. And he was like, OK. So the night came and I went down and I wasn't actually very nervous, which is maybe a an indicator of things to come. But I sort of was like, OK, whatever happens, happens. And there was this very nice man there who said, you know, hello, ma'am, may I help you? And I said, yes, I don't know what I'm doing. And he sort of showed me, you know, because all the instruments, not instruments, but technology has changed considerably. I mean. Back in 1987, you had real turntables and, you know, all these strange, you know, buttons that you flicked and switched. And it's all very computerized and very different now. So he gave me a quick sort of cheater course. And I was off and I looked at him and I said, "Okay, 15 minutes is all I'm going to do. And at the birthday party, which is an important part of the story, is I had so many friends there because Mickey and I share a very common group of friends And everyone was like, oh, my God, is Marjorie the DJ? I mean, they were in shock, as I was. And they were so supportive and made me feel so good. I think I fed off of that energy. And it was like something I cannot describe, but everything inside of me just kind of like flicked on. And 15 minutes flew by, and three hours later, I was still going.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: I know. I mean, I didn't even realize what had happened and when it had happened. And I came home, and I was like, holy moly. I don't know if I can swear on your podcast, but I said more than that.
1: You can say whatever you said. I said,
0: holy (laughs) shit. Um, What just happened? I feel amazing. I found something that I love. I mean, it was so corny to have all these feelings. And the phone rang the next day with unbelievable jobs that I actually really needed. I'd just come out of a terrible divorce, And because I was in my 40s and not in my 20s, I was like, no, I'm not going to take these jobs right away. I am going to go to school and learn how to do this properly. I didn't want to be a phony and be, you know, someone that they say, oh, she just puts on an iPod and goes, you know, I didn't. I wanted to be the DJ. I wanted to really learn it. So I enrolled in school. I called a friend of mine who was a very big deal in the music business and, uh, I said, "Listen, you cannot laugh and don't ask any questions, but I need to go to DJ school." And he was like, "I'm not laughing, but I have so many questions." And I'm like, "Nope, not telling you anything." And he goes, "Well, there's only one school. It's called Scratch Academy. It was founded by Jam Master J from Run DMC." And he goes, "That's the only one." And I said, "Okay." And I enrolled and I went. And that's probably the second time I ever paid attention in school. The first was getting my broadcasting <laughs> license, and this is the second. And I was in class with 19-year-olds that probably thought I was a complete weirdo. And I graduated, and then my career took off, and that was in 2013, and we're still going. And here we are. I'm talking to you.
1: Does it feel surreal to run that all back?
0: It feels surreal, and if it hadn't happened to me and I'd heard it about someone else, I would think it was a complete load of BS. Because I used to cringe and roll my eyes and be like, "Oh please," when someone would tell a story. Oh, when you find what you love and it all everything just falls into place. And I <laughs> thought that I thought that is such a crock that never happens. I was always, you know, a, a doubter. And then it happened to me, and I'm like, "Oh my god, it happened!" What, everything I used to say was, you know, not able to happen, happened. And so playing it back, and listening to my story is, actually, it's very good for me to do it, because it's nice to know that, you know, that is, is my story, and that it's still going. Because at the beginning, I thought, this is too good to be true. It's going to be gone. So I didn't really tell anyone. I mean, I didn't tell anyone when I went to school for the DJ school, I told one friend. A childhood friend, and she's extremely intelligent and was doing her second PhD. She's a doctor, and she was off to University of Pennsylvania, and I was like, well, I'm off to Scratch Academy. Um, Don't tell anyone. You know, it was sort of like a dirty secret, because I thought, this is never going to amount to anything. And then even when, you know, in New York, you go to dinner parties, and everyone says, so what do you do? It's the first question. And I would never say I'm a DJ, because I thought, you know, next week, I'm not going to be a DJ. It's not going to last. It took me a while to be able to own it and continually say, "Well, actually, I am a DJ," because people look at me like I have three heads half the time. You know, they're used to someone in a leather jacket with you know a lot of tattoos.
1: It's funny that you say that. I don't know if you did that on purpose, but uh, that mem that reference of like when people ask, "What do you do?" Because when I was playing squash part time and working at at uh, my finance job, I was very reluctant, if not just terrified to say anything that I was doing on the side even though I was spending you know <laughs> as much or more of my time and energy trying to create this other life for myself and I think there's something there's something to be said about this constant pattern I feel like we find with people who like you st- stumble or rediscover or develop this this pure passion and it's really really scary to say it out loud or to tell someone even in such an quote unquote informal setting although for those who know New York dinner party scenes, I'm sure that that's got more stress to it than, than a lot of workplaces. So I think there's probably reasons to maybe hedge a little bit and not mention it, but it is weird that we don't want to talk about what we really you know, want to do. It's almost like too scary.
0: It's too scary. And also I think we're scared of failure, even though we don't want to admit it. At least I was. And I didn't want to sort of bang on about something if it was going to be going away.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I love that point you mentioned about like the if you were listening to you tell the story, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, follow your dreams, yada yada, etc. Because I think that's such a. I mean, I'd be a, like putting
0: my finger in my mouth like I was throwing up. A please, really?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But and then yeah, I did
0: it. Then I became the the person saying the pukey statement.
1: Exactly. You the 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 uh, the tables have turned. No pun intended. No, they um,
0: definitely turned, and I am the proof.
1: And what would you say to people that would be in your shoes hearing that saying, "Well, nice for this woman who's just kind of figured it out. How do you how do you get to where you've gotten to?"
0: I think that what I have learned from my own journey and if anyone can apply any part of this to theirs is I found the older I got, the less I cared about what other people thought. And I was ready take a leap and try new things that maybe when I was younger, I would have thought were maybe less intelligent or had a different label attached to them. You know, I was was doing things for for all the wrong reasons in my 20s and 30s. I was doing them to either make money or sound impressive or things that weren't necessarily because I love them. And I think at a certain point, you just go, fuck it, I'm just going to do what I love. And it took age and experience and not caring for me to get to that point. So for me, I found what made me feel like a teenager again. And it took until my 40s to find that. But what, what made me feel like a teenager made me incredibly happy. And I wasn't doing it. I wasn't going into it for a career at all. I was just doing it for fun. It became my career by accident which was fabulous you know it was everything collided and I had a positive outcome but I you know other things I've done in my life I've sort of plotted out and I'm trying to have an end game and if I do this and I'll do this and this was completely the opposite I was just winging it doing what I loved playing the songs that I loved being happy and this was not my job this was just me you know going back into what I did in my teens just for fun
1: What do you say to people who haven't found that thing?
0: You know, it's. I think that there's a few things that I would say. Number one, don't get caught up in stigmas. Be like, I went to law school, so I have to be a lawyer. Or I have my three kids, so I need to be that mom. If you know, Sometimes it's uncomfortable thinking outside of the box of what you think you're supposed to do or sounds good. Or you went to Yale and you have three degrees and you should be doing this and whatever. If the... If there isn't something really lighting your fire, don't be scared. Don't be scared to try things. For me, it was something that made me feel like I was a teenager again, that clicked all the boxes. It might be a version of that, but don't hide behind the excuses of these other things, whether it's education, jobs, children, you know, put your toe in, try. You never know. I mean, look at me, I tried. As a fluke, I was dared. This birthday party, I was completely dared. I was actually kind of bitchy about it. I went for 15 minutes and, you know, I'm still going. And it became my job and I go all over the world. I'm having the time of my life. Wow. Because I wasn't scared. And I wasn't scared of failing, actually.
1: And how do you overcome that that fear of failing? Because at some point in your life, I assume you were. I mean, and someone, right? Of
0: course. Well, I think that it's easier said than done. I wasn't very afraid of failing. You have to remember, first of all, I hadn't told very many people. So I can show off to you and say, well, I wasn't afraid of failing, but no one really knew. And then I just went with the feeling inside of how good I felt. And I saw the love and support of my friends, my family, and they were so happy that I was happy. And it was amazing. I mean, yes, there were, you know, obviously naysayers are like, this is ridiculous. You know, there's Marjorie and, you know, some lace frock. Of course, that's, you know, that comes with anything. I don't care. Just keep going.
1: Is there something you would say to others as you think of, you know, describing that decision to maybe, as uh, Laura McCowan in the book says, you know, look for uh, support but not permission from those around you? Because that's pretty hard. That's a lot easier said than done.
0: Yes. And I think that is... I mean, a lot of us, we think support is permission. And I think, you know, having a clear thought on what that is for yourself on on all aspects of life. And I think that comes with age and experience and confidence. But I think support and permission, you don't need permission. Support helps you, you know, fire up the engine and keep going. And, you know, it doesn't always happen smoothly, but don't give up, be brave. You know, when you have that feeling inside, like I did, give it a chance. It's worth it. I mean, it's worth giving it a try. What have you got to lose?
1: Really? Well, you don't have to convince me. but <laughs> Yeah. I, uh... I mean,
0: if I can, I'm 49 years old. I am a mother. And I am a DJ. I mean, the, the whole thing sounds so ironic. I mean, I'm a DJ. I go all over the world having a blast Dancing half the time, you think I think I'm in the band. I, I there's this crossover I do. I look at pictures of myself. I'm like, what on earth am I doing? I'm singing along like I'm in the band, having the time of my life, and it's my job. And I look, and then there's a whole sea of people dancing, having fun. I mean, it's just unbelievable that I found this great thing in a later part of my life. I obviously wasn't ready before, and it all sort of clicked into place. And I was braver. I didn't need permission. I went with the, you know, encouragement and support. Um, And I listened to myself. Sometimes you don't listen to yourself. I was, you know, I was in a place where I could be like, you know what? I love this. I'm going to give it a whirl. Right. And I didn't listen to everybody else, you know, but there was no one really saying don't do that either at that point. And I think sometimes you in your head think that, but really, I don't think anyone, I mean, if there are people around you that Debbie Downers, then maybe you need to change friend groups.
1: Right. Well, that's a big part, too, is who, yeah, who do you support yourself with? Who do you surround yourself with? Correct. It's so important. And how does it work? I mean, I think there are a lot of folks listening that have kids or that have demanding jobs. And how did you balance it? How did you make it work emotionally, financially, socially? Like, how did, how did the nitty-gritty come out? Because uh, I think a lot of people would love to go chase a passion, but sometimes you got to figure out how you know, it actually will tactically all stack up.
0: Well, it's very, that's a really good question. And it's not as easy as you would think because obviously what I'm doing is you're basically a freelancer. So it isn't like you have a monthly direct deposit or a weekly or whatever you call it, like a salary. So, you know, you need to be smart, especially when you have children. And that's obviously, you know, there's something in the world more important than yourself that you are responsible to. So, yes, taking a leap of faith and giving it, you know, is all, you know, very exciting and sexy to say in concept, but you have to be responsible. So, I mean, I would say dabble keep whatever's going that can pay your bills. You know, don't jump into the deep end when you have three mouths to feed. You, you know, I think that it's a fine line of figuring out a balance and knowing when to jump from one to the other w- with regards to paying your bills. Because, I mean, money is obviously what makes the world go around. And if you have responsibilities and people that rely on you, you know, taking huge risks, you know, can put them at risk. So I think you have to be an adult at one And one point, and then you can, you know, have your teenage dream. I mean, there isn't a perfect answer for that, but I can't think it's a good question because you can't ignore that. It is important.
1: Right. And every, yeah, I think that it's just something you go into eyes wide open, but I don't think it's the reason I've just seen so many cases by now of people who have made it possible to jump with every sort of constraint possible laid on them from student debt to Kids to mortgages uh, to caring for others, yes. so I, I I think it's a huge challenge to figure out. But you got to just tackle it as you get started. You know, not not consider it as an afterthought because that would be uh, short sighted for the reasons you you mentioned.
0: No, and also I think it goes back to sort of how you think things through. Before I would overthink things and sort of come up with these like charts and you know projections and all of that, and none of that really worked for me mentally or financially. And when I wasn't thinking in that way, and I was sort of flying by the seat of my pants, for lack of a better phrase, it sounds crazy. But, you know, you hear again, these speeches and talks and like, oh, when you do what you love, the money will follow and blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, oh, please, really? And then it actually did happen for me. You know, I am a single mom. My son does rely on me. And it did work out for me. And I did, you know, take a leap and it was a bit scary, but it worked. And my son's really proud of me. I mean, that's the best feeling at all. He's so proud of me, and that's just the best feeling as a mom. He loves that I love what I do, and he's—he loves. I mean, he doesn't—he doesn't care for my taste in music. Let's get that straight. He wouldn't want me to DJ his birthday party. He'd rather die. Um, but he's proud, and that's a great thing. I'm like my—I've my, made my son proud. I'm—I'm—I've figured it out, and it's a great thing for him to know growing up that it's okay to sort of follow your passions and hopefully I can help him to do what his passions are when he's older and, you know, support him. I mean, there's many, many layers of this.
1: It's funny. This is a theme. We're now on our second week of talking about the same theme of like as a parent, the importance of, you know, jumping to show that type of um, thought process and that type of risk taking that type of way to, you know, tackle life for your kids.
0: Yes, and to be brave and be confident and try and don't, you know, if, if you fall over, get back up. You know, I think those are all things that you can set by example.
1: Absolutely. The, uh, it's, uh, I mentioned this on, the, on last week's show. The, um, Jeff Harts, the karate school manager turned screenwriter, uh, failed and then ultimately successful screenwriter, he said, you know, what can, what, can I show, what can I tell my kids about chasing their dreams if I don't chase my own?
0: Exactly. And if they, you know, I believe that, you know, it takes work, I mean, to be happy, you don't just wake up happy. Um, those are things that you, you show and teach your children. The same with working and finding something that you love. And if if they can see you've, you've worked really hard to find that thing and followed it and persevered, and it actually worked. That's a great thing for them to know that's possible, that there's a lot of roads to go. But if you say, you know, my mom did this crazy thing in her middle life, and you know, it was amazing.
1: Oh yeah, and I, I I don't really buy this notion of like this like one upping in terms of like life adventures or like I just, you know my, I have to go do this because my parents did this or my friend did this. No. It's just it's just a cool you know cool streak to have. You could take a big jump while at Goldman Sachs. You know who knows? So
0: who um, knows? And I also I had very supportive parents since I was little. They were always the loudest cheerers at any school play, or I could have gotten you know an a, a terrible grade. And then my mom would be like, well, you tried really hard. I mean, I had amazing parents. And my dad still has, you know, saved taped cassettes of me on the radio as Mad Marge in 1987. I mean, I came from oh an my amazing. Gosh. Yes, I had great, great parents that built my confidence and made me feel like I could do it. And I would thank them a million times for that because I, t- that was in my DNA. And if I could give a little bit of that to my son and show him through my courage and my leap, then I've done something right.
1: Oh, that's amazing. Well, as we wrap up here, I, I want to bring it full circle. You know, where would you tell people to go as they think of maybe that type of memory that you had years back that brought you back to music years later um, when they stumble upon something that could be the next thing, that could be their own jump and, and may not be something they do tomorrow if they have kids or a mortgage or all of that, what what advice would you give to them?
0: I think, as a general piece of advice, I think, number one, don't be scared to try something. I often thought of things and then would suppress them because I was scared to try or I didn't listen to inner feelings. And I think, listen to that feeling or that voice inside of you. And for me, it was listening to something that made me feel like a teenager again. For someone else, it might be another thing that get, brought them joy or made them feel great. Don't ignore that. Explore it a little bit. Don't be scared. Don't put it off. It, mi- it might be the right time. Give it a whirl.
1: I love it. And where can people find you and your music and start jamming your tunes and, um, and going from there?
0: Well, my website is madmarj.com, M-A-D-M-A-R-J.com. My Instagram is at Marjorie Goobelman. Um, On my website are my playlists, all sorts of fun things. They're also on my Instagram.
1: Incredible. Mad Marge, DJ Mad Marge, Marjorie Goobelman, thank you so much for joining uh, the When to Jump podcast. Shout out to Mariam for this connection as always. And if those listeners out there also have have interesting DJ friends that are uh, mid-life, mid-career and made jumps or other people like them, we want to have, we want to hear from you. So, thank you again, DJ Mad Marge.
0: Thank you, thank you for having me. And jump, everybody, make the jump.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hope you enjoyed that conversation with DJ Mad Marge. You can find her at Mad Marge. That's M A D M A R J dot com. Shout out to Mariam again for the for the lead here. If you've got leads, we love to hear them. Uh, continue to use the form. You know where to find us at when to Jump on social, whentojump.com. We love hearing from you and we hope you enjoyed that message around taking the jump. And not fearing what other people think about you. That's what I took from this conversation. So take that with you as you go on with your work week and the rest of your week. And I look forward to seeing you for the next Jump Story next week. We had a sheep farmer and now we've got a DJ. Who will be next? So stay tuned to find out who will be next. It's a, it's a surprise that even gets me every week. My name is Mike Lewis. This is the When to Jump podcast and I'll see you next time.